This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. It's Michael Nesmith on the Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back again to another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by Pantheon. Pleased, as always, to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. We can be found on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. So this is an episode that I uh, did promise that I had to do. It's a bit of a housekeeping one because, again, we are building um, this history of heavy metal across many episodes here. So this is episode 40. A bit of a milestone there, maybe. Um, We are going to be calling this Second Wave Heavy Metal American Division. This is an episode that I promised I would do because we already did a European Division one. And, um, you know, the the, uh, premise or the narrative in the European Division one is that there was this bank of second wave bands out of um out of europe mostly out of the uk granted uh, we had scorpions in there as well that built on the tradition of the first wave and kind of led to the new wave of british heavy metal very different situation over in the states um the idea here is essentially that um there was a big second wave uh heavy metal division out of america but the first point I want to make is that there really wasn't a first wave out of America. And that uh, is kind of discussed in full in uh, an episode way back, episode number two, actually, which we called The Birth of American Heavy Metal. And in that, we kind of argued that, you know, things came on strong initially with Blue Cheer, MC5, and the Stooges. But then the states kind of dropped off of the radar and uh, and ceded the heavy metal terrain to the UK, giving us the likes of Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, Uriah Heep, Budgie, um, 
where it, whereas in the States, we were getting the likes of Mountain and Cactus and things like that. There really wasn't much going on. A little bit of Sir Lord Baltimore and Bang and, you know, I mean, we're, we have to really scrape the barrel to find what's going on in the States. So, so essentially, there is a second wave heavy metal American division, but there's not really, you know, really, really in a, in a, in a pronounced way, this isn't a second wave building off of a second wave of actual American stuff, but it is a second wave of heavy metal. Now, the next point I want to make before we get going is that um, rather than leading kind of to the new wave of British heavy metal, this essentially leads to these American bands we're going to talk about essentially leads to uh, the start of hair metal, 1982, 1983 in a big way, 1984 even a bigger way. Uh, hair metal lasts. It ha- it enjoys huge success all the way to about 1992. Um, so these bands, uh, you know, are going to feel in that category, um, or or as as a as the building blocks towards that. But I do want to stress as well, um, you know, as a as a reader of Sounds and Kerrang all those years. Um, these bands are also very important to those UK bands that built the new wave of British heavy metal. They loved American music over there. They thought, you know, I'm sure it's a little bit of the grass is greener and then there's always the, you know, mythical and not so mythical, really, that you have to go to the States uh, to, to prove yourself and to get big. Um, so these bands were heroes to those guys as well, uh, as were their own homegrown uh, UK heavy metal bands. Okay, so um, let's that that little bit out of the way. Let's uh, let's get started with our first track here on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Take a listen to this. This is Blue Oyster Cult with ME two sixty two. All right, so I started early here, and I wanted to start with Blue Oyster Cult because, to my mind, they are the band that's a little bit of the the oddball band here, but not really. And let me explain. I wanted to pick this song because it it um, it builds on our premise that we talked about in episode two, that essentially um, American heavy metal or American hard rock kind of came from a blues and a, and a 50s rock and roll tradition, uh, a garage band tradition as well. But ME262 uh, proves this point perfectly that I was making in episode two, that, um, you know, I have this idea of a toggle switch where you could actually hear American hard rock, heavy metal uh, being born, and, and you could have a little A-B switch and you could hear boogie, switch switch over to B you get some heavy metal switch back to A you get some boogie and in this song you you get that idea so it's it's like a very very modern modern boogie song which isn't a modern thing um so you get you get this boogie verse but you also get all these other licks in ME262 so i thought it was a perfect way to start off um we are going back to April 74 this is the band's third album secret treaties but Basically, 75, um, because, you know, these second wave things, I, I kind of roughly dis- define it as the latter part of the 70s. Um, it was a big song on their on their live album from 1975, On Your Feet or On Your Knees. And then Blue Oyster Cult, 
you know, as we all know, uh, great band. I love them. One of my favorite bands of all time. I have a Bluish Cult book, of course, called Agents of Fortune. Um, but this is a band that through the rest of the 70s, the records were very varied. They had a lot of stuff on them. They had poppy stuff, experimental stuff, slightly proggy stuff, always two or three pretty heavy songs. They had keyboards. They had, you know, great harmonies. So they tried a lot of things, but... Uh, you know, the look of the album covers, the general, uh, you know, perception of the band out there in the press, and most importantly, the fact that they're out there touring the same circuit and playing with all the same band as bands as all the hard rock bands, you know, they squarely, and, and the fact that there really isn't that much heavy metal, and again, this, this reiterates our point about the States, um, there really wasn't much to choose from uh, in terms of American or Canadian bands, I'll mention Canadian in a minute, um, but uh, but Blue Oyster Cult were absolutely considered one of the one of the bands of the of the bank of five, the trench of five that we're going to be talking about here. And they were successful as well. You know, it's it's mostly gold albums, the odd platinum kind of thing. So so they're a big band. They're playing all the hockey arenas like everybody else. OK, so that was Blue Oyster Cult. And uh, so they're our first of uh, of our second uh, second wave heavy metal American division. I also wanted to pick them first because they, they kind of span, you know, more or less 70, 72 all the way up to uh, the end of the 70s. So they're, so they're kind of a bridge band in this thing from Mountain and Cactus. Um, they're, they're in there pretty early uh, because what else is there? Not much. You know, there's a little, little Edgar Winter or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, obviously the Montrose album is 1973. That's pretty important. But, you know, it's, they're, they're not a huge band at that point. So, so B.O is probably our best bridge band in terms of a of an early band uh to 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 take us into the late 70s okay so let's go with our number two selection right now take a listen to this this is aerosmith with lick and a promise All right, so Aerosmith is probably our biggest and most important band. Eh, arguably, we'll we'll talk about that. But they are a huge band. This is off of Rocks, um, 1976. I wanted to pick this song because, uh, again, very subtly, uh, it has this uh, rootsiness to it. Now, Aerosmith were considered uh, America's Rolling Stones. Um, they're also called, what? what is the phrase they used to use? Uh, America's Greatest Rock and Roll Band, I think, uh, you know, is something that gets applied to Aerosmith. Um, but, you know, you could call them America's uh, Rolling Stones. You can call them the Baby Rolling Stones. Um, but also, uh, you know, I before we move on, I, I do want to mention that there's a Baby Aerosmith, uh, and that's the New York Dolls. New York Dolls often gets put into the camp of, uh, of the you know, the punk timeline. But I consider them a Baby Aerosmith, and I consider them an important band on our way to hair metal as well. Two records, 1973 with a self-titled debut, 1974 with Too Much Too Soon. Um you know, and then they kind of imploded after that. Um, but uh, but Aerosmith and New York Dolls both uh, they had that uh, they had that that glammy hair metal look. I mean, all the clothes they were wearing is is 
classic early hair metal sort of clothes and look. Um, you know, a little bit of eyeliner, the big teased hair. Um, so, so Aerosmith are probably your best band in terms of a visual and even even the whole idea of the party lyrics and the ethic uh, moving moving into hair metal, this link in the late 70s to hair metal. But I also wanted to pick this song because it has um, it has a very modern heavy metal riff. The riff is not um, is not particularly boogie woogie or anything. It's just big stadium rock riff. So it's it's modern. It's moving away from the roots. But the vocal itself is a little bit of a uh, you know a Chuck Berry Johnny B Good kind of uh, patter that we get out of Steven Tyler. And you know they have lots of songs that do have um, you know bluesy uh, or connections to the blues, connections to boogie woogie to them. Um, but yeah, massive band, huge, amazing album. Probably one one of the greatest albums of the of the seventies uh, hard rock scene rocks. Um, of course, Toys in the Attic from the previous year was huge as well with Sweet Emotion, Walk This Way. Uh, then they did Draw the Line um, and uh, a live album, double live album, live bootleg, and uh, and Night in the Ruts. So they're, they're a big presence to, through the 70s as well, and they're a massive band. They're a platinum band in the late 70s. All right, let's take a break and hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Okay, now back again, History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 40, Second Wave Heavy Metal, American Division. Uh, the third band we have to talk about as a, as a master, you know, a, a huge band in the 70s is, of course, Kiss. Um, uh, let's take a listen to this and then we'll discuss. So this is, uh, this is Kiss with I Stole Your Love from Love Gun. Take a listen. <laughs> All right, so Kiss finally started uh, breaking huge with their live album from uh, 1975. Destroyer was massive, 1976. They even ma- managed a second studio album in 1976, Rock and Roll Over. Uh, this is Love Gun from 1977. Then they did the uh, famously the four solo albums and Kiss Alive in 1978, all of that in 1978. And Kiss Alive, of course, had a uh, great studio side of music there. Uh, and then they kind of dropped off. They kind of started changing. Dynasty, 1979. Uh, but massive band, you know, a gold and platinum band uh, in this era. You know, I, I picked this song uh, not because uh, I mean, Kiss. Kiss is also a band that uh, famously, when we uh, when we did that episode two, uh, they they famously also uh, have that A B toggle switch thing going to them, where you can hear them uh, with one foot in the past, one foot in the future. Uh, I stole your love is basically all feet in the future, all eight feet in the future. Uh, even Ace is as he's falling off the stage and stumbling on his feet. Um, but essentially, um, it's it's a modern heavy metal song it's a pretty heavy song it's probably the heaviest song on love gun kiss was you know you go back and play that stuff and it they they were not particularly particularly heavy but again like blue oyster cult you put them on a stage and them with all the all the smoke and fire and leather and face paint and and mostly heavy songs um you know they they were a massively heavy band certainly for the late 70s in a live uh situation um 
So they have to be in here. And of course, they're a great, great link to hair metal as well, because hair metal is a very visual thing. Uh, you think of Wasp, you think of Motley Crue, uh, Kiss is right in there as, uh, as the you know antecedent to that. Um, and then, of course, Kiss uh, almost uh, double underscores uh, their ha- hair metalness because they fully participate in hair metal and do great at it, you know, starting with essentially Lick It Up and... Um, Animal Eyes and all those records, you know, Crazy Nights, the, you know, these later ones I don't like very much. They, they, they fully participate in the hair metal look, almost like a Twisted Sister look with, uh, you know, all the bright colors and the fringe and stuff like that. Eyeliner. Um, so, you know, Kiss goes no makeup, but they go, they go, you know, standard eyeliner type makeup and stuff like that. Rouge. Um, but uh, but yeah, they participate and and you know just to, just to reach back, I mean Aerosmith is also massive in the eighties uh, with Permanent Vacation and Pump. They participate as well. They don't look quite as ridiculous. In fact, they they do a good job of staying away from the hair metal look. But they got a bit of a hair metal sound and these you know these big productions and they're a massive band. Blue Oyster Cult basically drops off the radar. We don't have to talk about what happened to them in the eighties. It's kind of a sad story. Um, but yeah, so so Kiss is our other band that is a massive, massive second wave uh, heavy metal band. Okay, let's move on. Uh, number four in our history and five songs, uh, American Division. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Van Halen with On Fire. All right, so Van Halen is truly our first brand new spiffy, uh, shiny band that is the true, true antecedent to uh, to hair metal in every way. You've got a guitar hero. Guitar heroics are super important in the massive metal that would happen in the uh, in the eighties. I mean, most of those bands had. Uh, a lot of focus on the guitarist and and we and it gave us the idea of guitar heroes right in hair metal bands but even guitar heroes that are are like making instrumental albums like Joe, uh, Joe Satriani and Vinnie Moore and Joe Stump and all these guys um so uh so we've got Eddie Van Halen we've got David Lee Roth who's your quintessential hair metal frontman um, you know, prototype. Uh, you know, basically the the throughput is Van Halen through to uh, through to Motley Crue. They're the other uh, early band. But let's not talk about that because I actually have. You can go back. There is a whole episode on the uh, the invention or the birth of hair. More like the birth of hair metal because today we're talking about the invention of hair metal. That is more like the birth of it uh, in terms of the actual bands that started hair metal. And this is all the stuff that leads up to it. This this bridge that I wanted to define in terms of our, you know, chronological invention of heavy metal. So we've got that UK division and now we've got this, uh, this American division. So, um, so yeah, uh, you know, an, an incredible album, Van Halen, Van Halen came out February 10th, 1978. So super early, even though this is a band that was going since 1974. Um, but, um, you know, great, uh, great album. And, uh, and it really kickstarts things 
for American heavy metal because let's face it, everything we're hearing, all of our bands, all of our American hero bands, and for that matter, as we discussed in the other episode, all of our uh, UK hero bands from early early days were were um, basically crashing in flames. Aerosmith is going to be crashing in flames soon. Seventy seven. I mean, right now they're they're in trouble. Kiss is going down. Ted Nugent is going down. Um, you know, Blue Oyster Cult has mirrors, which is considered a bit of a um, a stumble because it's kind of considered the most poppy and commercial album. So, you know, Van Halen is a real um, reassertion, a real house cleaning uh, for American heavy metal. It's the first, you know, brand new heroes. It's the first baby band on the scene. And, and what a baby band is, you know, the, the, you know, there's been no sort of, um, you know, first record band that was this amazing since, Montrose, Montrose. And, you know, I did a whole Van Halen book called uh, Unchained Van Halen, a user, uh, a Van Halen user manual. There's a whole chapter in that comparing that first Montrose album from 73 to this album. There's like 15 comparisons or something between the two. Um, But, you know, so so this is a little bit of the uh, second coming of the Montrose album. But, you know, they make a huge, huge splash. So I in the next year, they put out Van Halen, too. So they managed to get two albums in in the 70s, and they're off to the races, and they're doing amazing. Okay, so next, um, we're up to our final entry. I, it's funny, I flipped these around because I couldn't believe that Van Halen came out before the one we're going to talk about. But I realized, man, look at the dates here. So this is crazy uh, how, how this works. This was a real revelation to me. Uh, anyways, take a listen to this. Uh, this is our fifth and final entry for this episode. This is Ted Nugent with Name Your Poison. <laughs> All right, so Ted Nugent is another massive, massive band of the late 70s for America. He he is, you know, basically stumbling around the scene since about 1966. You know, he's a pretty big garage rock band with uh, Ted Nugent and the Amboy Dukes, but you know, they don't they don't really get super mainstream. They have this this pretty big national hit Journey to the Center of the Mind. Um then things get even worse as you know as we start off the 70s he's still Ted Nugent and the Amboy Dukes you know with albums like Marriage on the Rocks and uh oh, what Dr Slingshot I think that's a compilation anyways uh, at that time he's still not doing much uh, business at all he's you know he's he's really struggling he's got like 5 6 albums out by this point um then things kind of easy. He turns a little bit of a corner. He has two records, Ted Nugent and the Amboy Dukes, Call of the Wild and Tooth Fang and Claw, 73 and 74, where you're starting to hear that Ted Nugent sound. But the big thing happens, 1975, he signs with uh, with uh, CBS. He's on Epic. He puts out his first, you know, quote-unquote solo album, Ted Nugent is the name of the band. Ted Nugent is the name of the album. Has a has a pretty decent hit with it. Um, you know, these really cool modern heavy metal songs. Great singing out of Ted himself and Derek St. Holmes. Uh, and he's off to the races. Free For All, that was my first big concert of all time. I saw uh, the Free For All tour in Spokane, Washington with Rex and uh, Bebop Deluxe supporting. So that was Free For All, 76. 77, he has a really big hit with Cat Scratch Fever, mainly from the song cat scratch fever and uh, 
Up Into 78, a double live album, double live Gonzo. What you just heard, Name Your Poison, is from Weekend Warriors, which is September 1978. So so this is after Van Halen, and you play this whole record, Weekend Warriors, and it is just vanilla milk toast compared to Van Halen. Van Halen is cleaning Ted's clock uh, by this point. It's just, Ted really sounds like something from the dark ages of of poppy American kissed-based rock and roll uh, compared to what Van Halen is doing. Uh, But I played you a super heavy song off of this, Name Your Poison. But uh, the other reason I wanted to play you this song is is because it bookends super nicely our Blue Oyster Cult ME262 because even in Name Your Poison, which is one of the heaviest songs off of Weekend Warriors, you do hear a little bit of that boogie structure. Like these bands kiss, you know, I use the example of Strutter, I think, in episode two. Um, these bands, um, basically, I don't, I didn't play Strutter, I don't think, but I, but I talked about it. But these bands, um, you know, when they're not doing anything, they will lapse into a little bit of a boogie, and you hear a little bit of that in Name Your Poison. So you hear a light, light boogie structure in there, but you also hear very modern uh, riffing. And I think in this clip, you even st- hear the Diablos in Musica, the tritone. Uh, you know, in the Name Your Poison. So you do hear a little bit of that thing Black Sabbath brought to heavy metal, a little bit of the evil. So. Um, so this was a perfect example, just like ME262, which is four years earlier, of uh, of this idea how these American bands absolutely have one foot in the past. Ted Nugent prides himself on that. He talks about it all the time. How his you know his his great gods of rock and roll are are you know Little Richard and Chuck Berry and BB King and all those guys. And you know Ted Ted is a pretty pretty old guy. And and um, you know, his earlier stuff. I mean, he, you know, most, he, 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 it's funny. He, he really talks about how, uh, heavy metal is too white for him, but you know, he, uh, he definitely has a lot of standard modern heavy metal in what he does. And even the Amboy Dukes were quite garagey rather than, you know, old time rock and roll rockers and mods, you know, actual Count Bishop's old time rock and roll, right? No, they were a garagey band. They were a psyche band, psychedelic. Uh, but the Ted Nugent band is perfectly, perfectly exactly like Aerosmith and Kiss in that they 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 are 50% of the time doing modern heavy metal riffing uh you know new heavy metal riffing and 50% of the time they've got a little bit of blues and a little bit of boogie woogie in what they do a little bit of glam a little bit of uk glam you know in that melody a little bit of pop um but I thought that was the perfect way to end this uh, in this episode. Um, and and again, Ted, massive, massive band. He's exactly, exactly, exactly as big as Kiss and Aerosmith and Blue Oyster Cult in this era. They're all gold and platinum bands. They're all playing the same venues. Half the time, they're on the same bills. Um, they're all playing, you know, all the hockey barns of various sizes. Um, you know, all of these bands are not basically theater bands at all at this point. Um, and uh and you know ted is uh, uh what do we go from where do we go from here so so 78 yeah so 78 he has a busy year like kiss he's got the double live album and he's got the uh this album and, you know the lineups uh getting a little compromised at this point um 79 he puts out an album that i i really feel is my favorite ted nugent album i get a little bit of uh, abuse for this we have an episode on youtube of uh our show, The Contrarians, where I argue for State of Shock as the favorite Ted Nugent album of mine. Uh, so he does that in 1979. 
you can go listen to the whole, you know, argument about uh, about that, and and we go over the whole Ted argue uh, thing there. I think we've got fifteen episodes or something up on YouTube. Um, so uh, seventy nine. So so he ends the era. You know, he's on a bit of a downer at that point. That album doesn't sell that well. He's going through a divorce. So everybody is kind of falling by the wayside. But uh, again, the most graphic thing is I could not believe that uh, that this record is actually uh, later a later release than the Van Halen record because you just hear the huge huge difference. Okay, so that's all of our songs. I just wanted to mention uh, just a few also rands or smaller bands. Uh, we have even a whole episode on some of these smaller bands. What did, what did I call it? Uh, Twice Bad Timing, I believe, where we talked about the likes of, uh, I think it was Angel, Legs Diamond, Rex, those kinds of bands, Stars. Uh, so there are these other heavy metal bands uh, that make up this uh, second wave heavy metal American division. Those would be Montrose, who is still continuing on. Um, they have a Warner Brothers Presents. They have Jump on it. Um, New York Dolls are gone by this point. Riot is starting up. They have Rock City, um, Narita. Uh, Legs Diamond is around, um, you know, America's Deep Purple, they call him. Rick Derringer is around with his band Derringer, who put out a really cool heavy album in 1977 called Sweet Evil. Stars is totally in there. Uh, they are around. Uh, they are touring, lots of ads, lots of articles, but they never quite break. Um, but they make a fantastic album in 1977 called Violation. Angel is amazing. They are around at this point. Again, fantastic, fantastic albums in Angel and Hell of a Band which are both 1976 which is incredible that you know that is probably the best example of uh the two great you know when a band releases two studio albums in one year that is probably and actually no judas priest would be the best so judas priest would be um stained class and killing machine in the uk in 1978 so that's my favorite example um but angel would probably be my second favorite example with angel and hell of a band in 76 um you know, and other bands that kind of fit this thing, uh, you you can almost look at um, you know the blueprint of of uh, of this whole episode being the Cal Jam album, the California Jam, the first uh, no, is it Cal Jam too? Uh, any anyways, that double album that has the likes of uh, I think Mo- um, Mahogany Rush is on there, Hearts on there, I think Journey's on there. So these are the lighter bands that kind of fit in this whole thing. Mahogany Rush is uh, you know Frank's. Frank's from uh, from Canada, but I think the rest of the band is American. Anyways, uh, and then the other bands um, that kind of fit in this absolutely are Rush. Uh, so we're going to Canada here. Rush, Moxie, Triumph, Tease, April Wine. So they're all uh, part of this second wave as well uh, that make up, you know, quite an argument that... Um, you know, by 1975 uh, through the end of the uh, the decade, the 70s, there is quite an American thing happening. And I must stress again that it just feels way, way different than what's happening in the UK. I mean, I feel like this, uh, all of these bands together, you know, I mean, some of them not, not Rush, obviously, but most of these bands together feel like, a, you know, a great, great, um, you know, uh, platform to invent what would be such an American phenomenon in the 80s, and that is uh, hair metal. Okay, so let's wrap it up there. Uh, that um, that basically concludes, uh, I would think, um, all of our prehistory leading up to the new wave of British heavy metal. I don't think I've really covered thrash 
properly in terms of an invention thing. I know we had a double bass drum episode, um, but uh, that would probably be the next one we should do in our in our actual continuing who invented, uh, you know, our continuing history of heavy metal. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Um, which episodes all line up to this. I should probably put that on the uh, on our Facebook page for that. So that brings me to, please um, join our Facebook page for this, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. You can go to my website. Uh, all my books uh, that are in print are available. I ship them out, sign them, ship them out from the office. Uh, so that's martinpopoff.com. You can email me directly at martinp at inforamp.net. We shall wrap it up there. Thanks again for listening. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. Top tech companies like Intel have a secret to their success. They get the best talent, reliable infrastructure, and save on costs by expanding in Ohio, the new Silicon Heartland. Learn how your business can succeed in Ohio. Visit successinohio.com. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.